Welcome to Off the Bench with Danny Cannell. Danny Cannell. Back to throw versus Danny. Back to throw versus Danny. Back to throw versus Danny. Back to throw all right, what's going on? Welcome to Canal and Bell. Danny Canal, Rajah Bell, hanging out. Ton to get to today. NBA playoffs. We had some pretty good matchups last night. Boogie Cousins is officially out. Uh, there's an injury that occurred in baseball, which I don't know if I'm buying it. We'll break that down mm-hmm. a little bit later. Before we get to the NBA, though, I was just telling you guys quickly before the, uh, the show opened that I, you know, when I was in Augusta, I told some of the celebrities I saw, like right. Marcus Mode or some of the NFL quarterbacks that were there. When I was in the Atlanta airport, I was walking through with Port, one of our bosses here, and uh, he bumps into a guy, big dude, not massive, and I was like, oh, this must be a buddy of his from high school or something, right? right. They talked, and they, like, hugged, and they were talking just real quick uh, conversation. And then we walk away. I'm like, oh, who was that? Like, some guy you know from a long time ago? He's like, oh, that was Daniel Comier. And I was like, what? I'm like, really? And I'm not a huge UFC fan. But, like, I'm aware of who he is, aware that he is, he is so Coke actually straightened me out on this one. He is the current heavyweight champion in right. UFC. But I was astounded that he wasn't that big. Yeah. And when I say big, I mean, like, I was picturing somebody as a heavyweight in UFC being, like, 6'2", six 6'3", six you know, kind of chiseled, right. a certain type. And with the wrestling background, he's just, he's not as tall. 5'11". Yeah, and he was wearing, like, sweats. He's not cut. Kinda he's just, just kind of a big. thick dude, you know, like, but couldn't have been nicer. Like, sure. was just like, could have, like, was really cordial, really cool dude. But I was thinking, it's always that conversation, like, when you talk about UFC, that dude goes in a ring and only one guy's coming out, most likely, that's going to be conscious, right? <laughs> like, Crazy. you're going to go in and get and knocked it's even out. It's crazier that you can't pick him out because right. you mess, you run up on the wrong one. That's how you. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, right. And he's the type. He's, Imagine that. You guys are in there. There's a little bumping and shoving going on in the security line. People are out of place. Right. Something crazy to him. Right. Get out of place just a little bit. Right. Maybe you pick the He's wrong one. He's throwing you against Danny, the wall. What's, a, what's a tougher fight for you, the Mountain Lion or Daniel Cormier? Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> I'll say Daniel Cormier every single time. The Mountain Lion, by the way, just a little update to that story. After it kept on coming out, you got more and more details. Do you remember? It came out that it was like a kitten, essentially. Like 12 pounds. Which, you know, like I think maybe PETA pounds. should look into <laughs> it. You know, the dude had to kill that thing uh, that we talked about a while ago on the podcast. If you missed any of our episodes, you should go check us out. Subscribe, download on iTunes. Leave us a five-star review, too. We love getting those. Uh, we had some solid ones last month. We really appreciate, appreciate you guys listening. And if you're listening to the podcast, make sure you check us out right here on CBS Sports HQ. You can watch us. And Wednesday, specifically, you're going to watch because we have our shoe showdown. Yeah. Which takes place at the end of the show, and I think we have a good one. I want who who won our bracket challenge? Uh, so Coca, do you know the guy's name? So he was listening. He did tweet to us, and he's like, "Hey, man, what did I win?" And it's a very good question because we never officially came out with some. We're going to hook him up. I am pushing to have him on the show, okay? As a guest, kind of feel what his philosophy was, have him talk a little bit. But we're definitely going to Sam Weiss. Sam Weiss. Sam Weiss. Shout Congrats, out to Sam, Sam Weiss. Yeah, no doubt, because he killed it uh, in the pool. Uh, some great picks there. So I think we should have him break it down, but we're also going to get him some swag, uh, and some signed gear from Raja Bell. Cause I don't know, the Canel gear is not going to do much for him, I'm sure. <laughs> right. So we'll get him some, some gear. We'll hook him up there and, uh, make sure we take care of our winner of our, uh, our bracket pool there. All right. NBA has their own version of their bracket now with the, uh, the NBA playoffs in full force. Well done. So the Blazers, who was my lock yesterday, they took care of business. They won 114 to 94. It was tied 54, 54 at the half. Uh, they go up 2-0 though. They take control in the second half. Their stars handle their business. Lillard McCollum had 29 and 33 respectively. They outscored OKC by 16 in the third quarter alone. And the Thunder can't 
hit anything. Like the basket must look like it's this big for them. Looks like a golf hole that they're trying to shoot in because they can't get anything to drop. Yeah, I've uh, so I'm not in a full panic mode, but I picked the I picked OKC to beat Portland in large part because of Portland's past, you know, recent past in terms of playing in the playoffs. Yep. Um, but I also felt like they had the two better players. I felt Paul George was better than than uh, C.J. McCollum, and I felt like Russell Westbrook, and this is just preference, uh, I, I liked him a little bit over Dame because I thought physically he could do more on the court. Dame is a, a better scorer for sure, better shooter and all of that, but I feel like Russ's size, his stature, his athleticism gives him an ability to impact the game in, a, in, in many more ways, and they haven't lived up to the hype. Russ, is, Russ has been uh, pedestrian at best last night. Um, Russell Westbrook was five for 20 for 14 points. Um, and Damian Lillard went for 29 on 10 for 21. And so I, I guess what it boils down to, and I, I hate to oversimplify it, but if your best players aren't going to be your best players in playoff games and the other team's best players are, you're probably going to lose those games. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you couple that with the fact that they are 10 for 61 from three, that being the Oklahoma City Thunder. That's not a recipe for success. I would like to see them with all of this physicality. Both of those two players, comps that I gave you, one is more physically gifted than the other. Both, both being the Oklahoma Thunder, Oklahoma City Thunders pair. Go to the basket. Get physical. Uh, impose your will on the rim. Let's not, especially, we're 10 for 30, 10 for 61. Let's stop casting up threes. And I know they shoot a lot of threes. And it's been their recipe, uh, and they've kind of lived and died by it. But I'm going to need them to impose a physical will on this game. Do not get caught up in a wide-open, 17-dribble, step-back, three-point shooting contest with, with, with Portland. That's what they do. So... I, this was my pick last night. I love this pick for the, uh, the Trailblazers were a one point favorite playing at home. Everybody, the public money was all in OKC mm-hmm. because the thought process was there's no way they'll stay that cold from three. They'll be able to catch their shot. They don't. Do you think this is something that they can reverse? Like if they can just start making a few shots, they can turn this thing around. Cause yeah. they're going back home. OKC is a great place, a good home field, a home court advantage. They can get there. They can get the ones back in OKC. Then maybe work their way back, and then they all have to do is get back into the series. But like, it is pretty shocking when you see those types of numbers from three. From from three. But I would expect you at some point they're going to start dropping. The law averages. Yeah. At some point kicks in. Uh, I, I would imagine when they come back home, they'll they'll come out of the gates ready to play um, and shoot the ball much better than they did in Portland. It's amazing how quickly the complexion of a series changes with one win. Yeah. Right now, you feel like. I mean, essentially, it's over. Yeah. I mean, you know you still have a chance, but if you don't get game three, it is over. Yeah. So there's a lot of pressure on you to get game three. Once you get game three, you feel like I'm right back where I'm supposed to be. I, I lost two on the road. We get this second one at home, um, and now the pressure is going to be on Portland again to hold serve. So it's it's pretty remarkable how quickly uh, the complexion can change and your perspective can change when you're in a series like that. I do think they'll shoot better at home. I think Oklahoma City will win game three, but they've got to change the way they approach playing Portland. There's a, there's a recipe that might not fit your normal mold as a team. Uh, and, and you've got to be able to make that uh, adjustment on the fly right now if you're Oklahoma City. Uh, so Russell Wilson, uh, Russell Wilson, we always have yeah. Russell Westbrook and Dame Lillard, Damian Lillard have a nice little rivalry going, right? And there's a lot of trash being talk. Russell Westbrook, I, he's one of my favorite players because I love the way he plays. He's, a lot of people don't like him. I think even within the NBA, I sure. think they don't like his style of play. But here's a reason, one of the reasons why I do like him. 
So in January during uh, during a game, he told uh, Damian Lillard, I've been busting your ass for years. <laughs> Came right at him, right? Right, right? So now, obviously, Dame has something to play for. So, like, he's playing with a chip on his shoulder. Sure. I'm sure he's playing to prove him wrong. But this is why I like Russell Westbrook. After the game, he took ownership of it. He said, starting with myself, I've got to play better. And tonight, the loss, I'm going to take full responsibility for tonight because the way I played was unacceptable. I'm going to be better, so I'm not worried one bet, uh, one bit. My job is to make sure I continue to come out and will, will, uh, lead, will, and will, and lead our guys mm-hmm. and make sure we have a chance to win the game. This is the way you want to handle adversity. You're not pointing any fingers. You're pointing a finger at yourself. Absolutely. Me. And I think that's why his teammates respect him and will respond to this type of attitude. Yeah. I think part of the reason NBA guys and the poll came out where they polled NBA players and he was one of the more overrated players is because he doesn't check all the boxes of today's player with the ability to, to pull up from anywhere on the floor and shoot a high percentage of threes and have all of these, you know, combo moves that he puts together. He's more size, speed, um, and will. And, and sometimes, you know, that might not be everybody's style of player. Last night, there were small samples. And, and I wanted, I do agree with you that the way he handled that was perfect. Mm-hmm. The way you want a leader to handle that situation. Way too many guys are, are them guys when it comes time for, for, taking responsibility not we guys you know it's those guys fault and so it's refreshing to see a guy hop up there and say it's on me uh there were there were small sample sizes last night of russ doing what i think russ needed to do against damian lillard damian lillard's guarding you and damian lillard is a killer i don't mean to take anything away from him offensively he's as good as there is out there i I don't i wouldn't think anybody including dame would say he's a great defender so russ had him one time on the block Big boyed him, got underneath, laid it up. Now, where he made his mistake is he started rocking the baby really early in the game, right? Mm-hmm. There was another one where he just caught it, quick little body jab, right downhill. He missed the layup. Um, another one, o- offensive rebound. He's right there. He's a tip in. Dame Lillard probably pushed him in the back. They didn't give him the foul. All three of those are what you need to be doing if you're Russell Westbrook to counter what Dame does to you on the offense. That's your advantage. Yep. Yeah, at the rim, using that athleticism and willing your way to buckets. Um, and your team will follow. But he stopped doing it. Like it didn't bear fruit early. He only had one out of those three buckets I just described. And then he then he got caught up in Dame backing up off of him and wanting to prove that he was a three point shooter. Don't get caught up in that game. Right. He's don't baiting. buy. He's baiting you. Don't yep. buy into that. And he just knocked one down from thirty. So as a player, man, if yeah, you want to go. <laughs> Dame Lillard hit a three last night, and I've been here. I don't mean to take over the whole segment, but love it. Dame Lillard hits a three, and everybody does this when you play pickup ball, right? Your guy comes down, he puts you to sleep, knocks down a three. Let me get that. Let me get that because right. I'm coming right back down. I'm going into my bag and I'm hitting a three. So Dame hit the three, and I said he's going to come right down here and pull a damn three. I know he's going to do it. And he walked right down the court. And even if this is NBA playoff basketball, you're you're you're, you're still, you know, you guys human. Yeah, yeah. Came down and pulled a bad three. They go down, hit another three. It's a six point swing, real quick. He can't get caught up in doing that with with the Blazers. Yeah, definitely. It's a great little rivalry that's taking place, and that's why that's. Again, these are the types of storylines that I really like. The Patrick Beverly, Kevin Durant, little mm-hmm. beef they got going last night. Lillard and Westbrook got into it a little bit. The refs actually had to review it. it thank good. Thankfully, they didn't call anything because well, yes. it was stupid. Like it was just a little, sure. it was just a little tussle. It wasn't sure. anything serious, but I love to see the way they play out. You know where there wasn't any tussle whatsoever? There wasn't much of a fight period mm. was in Toronto where the Raptors 
you, we, you, you gave this guarantee yesterday. I like the Trailblazers. You love this game. The Raptors came out and took care of business. Exactly what we were talking about yesterday. Because they had dropped game one, it was a little bit of a shocker. They needed to set a tone, yeah. and this game wasn't even close. They pretty much dominated from start to finish. Kyle Lowry, good for him responding on this stage because he's been a basket case. He's been a mess. After zero points in game one, where it was atrocious, gets 22 in this one. He was 8-13 th- uh, from the field, 2-4 of four from the three-point land. And uh, just had a really solid performance. But Kawhi was the one who stepped in this one most with uh, 37 points in this one. So it looks like the Raptors have kind of had that wake-up call. And now they're like, all right, we're the team that's supposed to advance. We're the better team. And they handle their business. Yeah, I think they got over the initial hangover uh, of the playoffs. And that can be a thing sometimes where you roll out of the gate slow. We Our, our Phoenix team had it in 06 where we just came out and we got popped in the mouth and took us a few games to really hit our stride. I think Toronto will be fine now. Um, in this series, correct? In this series, I, I think. Yeah, because I'm with you in this series. But here's my thing on Kyle Lowry. Like, we've seen him have these mini bounce backs. There's always going to be a part of me because he, his, his woes in the playoff have been so well that well documented that I'm still going to, in the back of my mind, being, man, I hope we don't get that dud from Kyle Lowry. Yeah, I mean, you, always kind of there. You'd be naive not to know that it exists somewhere. But I don't think it's going to rear its head to that degree where he's 0 for 7 and just – you know, completely ineffective again in this playoffs. I, I think the Raptors are for real. I, I think they've got multiple guys. Yes, Kawhi Leonard, we always forget how good he is. It just doesn't look great all the time. He's another one of those guys that's not, you know, dancing on the ball and doing all this, but it, it is so effective, and he's he's a two-way player. Pascal Siakam is a young star, can score the ball. You can give him the ball, get buckets. I, I didn't even talk about Marc Gasol and what he brings to them in, tor- in terms of kind of orchestrating and delivering passes and, and Serge Ibaka. Um, and so I think they're primed to be really, really good in the Eastern Conference. Again, your best player if you're Orlando, right? Mm-hmm. Nikola Vucevic, three for seven for six points. All right? You're, you're, that's your best player overall. Your best player in game one was DJ Augustine with 25 points and the game win in three. Last night he was one for six and nine points. Again, don't mean to oversimplify it, but if your guys, your dudes, yep, aren't going to play in the playoffs and they fall flat, a la Kyle Lowry in game one, the other team's got a really good chance of winning. Yep. Uh, well, Denver had an issue with one of their dudes throughout three quarters, Jamal Murray, who actually got it turned around. And Mike Malone, their head coach, talked about the Nugget star and some of his issues and why he kept faith in him. I didn't, I didn't foresee the fourth quarter he was going to have, but I knew in my heart he needed to get these minutes. He needed to be out there. I needed to show him that I believed in him. That's powerful. If I pull him, does coach really believe in me? Does he have my back? So I, I had to stay with Jamal, make or miss, because he's our guy. I love it. I love that mentality. I love a coach who's going to back his players sure. and not panic and go to the bench because it was bad through three quarters for Jamal Murray. He only had three points. He was 0 for 8 from the field uh, at a minus 18 in the game. And that, you've got to, as shooters, shoot, right? And as a coach, I think you have to reinforce that message, say, hey, you keep doing your thing. It'll work out. It'll They'll start to fall sooner or later. Yeah, I mean, I applaud Mike for sticking with, with Jamal. Um, if that had been another player on his team, though, <laughs> right. I don't know that he would have stuck <laughs> right. him. But right. that's his guy. That's right. his dude. Yep. So, you know, I've always told the stories about Mike D'Antoni when I was 0 for October encouraging me to keep shooting and telling me that the law averages would kick in and eventually they would. And that does do a lot for a player um, and his confidence when the coach has your back like that. It, it also speaks – if you could just see something go through the basket, because I was watching that game and I was flipping back and forth. I had one DVR. 
He was O for everything, missing free throws. And then he went O, he was O, he missed his first free throw, and then one went in. And Isaiah, I think it was Isaiah Thomas on the call, said something about just seeing one, one thing go through the net. And then it just was, he was like a, a wildfire. He couldn't yep. be stopped. So it's pretty remarkable, the, the, the mind, the way it works. When, when you don't see anything go in, chances are good you're not going to get a bucket. Right. And then you see something go in and you're like, okay, everything's fine. Yep. Good to go. It is, it's amazing. The And I've, I've talked, I've, we've talked about this a little bit before in football. If I was having a bad game or even to start a game, mm-hmm. I loved when we had an easy, maybe a screen pass, something a similar a play that I really liked that I knew I was going to yeah. get a completion on. Because you see that it starts to build confidence. It is something, even if it's a layup or a dunk or something that's just, Hey, me, my six year old daughter could make it, but there's just something about seeing it in where it's just, you breathe that sigh of relief. Absolutely. That over all of a sudden goes to one and you don't hear people that are out there, you know, oh my, like every shot right. it's like, Ooh, you hear that groan in the crowd. Now it's like, all right, you got that off your back. So, uh, do you think Denver comes back to when do you think they go to San Antonio and they, I like, think is this they, going deep? Is this one going seven? I think the yeah, I do think this one's knockdown drag out. Um The Nuggets will win game three. San Antonio will win game four. And then I don't know what happens. Right. Because again, Jamal Murray's a this is his first time around the block. And he's fantastic when he gets hot. But you saw before he got hot, I and mean, they were down in, at 17, 18 points in that game at some time. Now, I, I will give Denver this. They never quit. Yeah. There were multiple times where I said, okay, this one's, this one's over. The series is over. And how easy would it be down 18 points, you know, in the third quarter to kind of say, all right, well, it's, this isn't. And they kept fighting. So there is a real grit and a will. And they've got youth. What San Antonio looked old at some points last night. When they started getting Nikola Jokic, uh, is that his name? Uh, Jokic, Jokic is his name, I don't know his first name, but anyway, they started getting him and Jamal Murray when Jamal Murray was cooking and dribble handoffs. There was nothing the Spurs could do, literally. They, they were stuck and they looked old. Um, so there is some youth and their legs on Denver's side the deeper you get into this series. Uh, but if, if you're, if you're San Antonio, you are hoping that I'm wrong and you can win game three, put a lot of pressure on Denver in game four. Tell me about Denver's youth. They did outscore San Antonio 20, uh, 21 to 6 on fast break points. So mm-hmm. it's trying, maybe trying to run past them yep. a little bit too. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. There's a very bright shining light, Sarajevo, and they needed to kill that light. From producers Matt Damon and Ben Affleck, explore how art and music sustained hope during the siege of Sarajevo, thanks in part to humanitarians and the band U2. U2, they represent a personification of our resistance. The Hollywood Reporter hails Kiss the Future, moving and inspirational. Kiss the Future! Viva Sarajevo! Kiss the Future, new documentary now streaming exclusively on Paramount+. Plus. Go to Paramount Plus to try it free. Terms apply. All right, welcome back to Canel and Bell. So the Golden State Warriors, uh, the super team that they're known as, uh, got dealt a pretty significant blow. The other night when Boogie Cousins left the game, there was speculation, was it a fully torn quad? Was it a partial? Would he be back? Well, it is official. He is out with a torn quad. Um, my point, my when I look at the Warriors, I still think they can lose, and they can lose any one of their starters, any one of them. And I would say even more so without Boogie because they've already won without him. Sure. 
Do you agree with that? No. You don't. You they, think Boogie they, means that much? No, I just don't agree that they could lose any one of their starters. Anymore. Oh, you don't? Yeah. See, I think they could because they've won without all except for Steph. And, and do what? And do what? I guess is my. So question. win the championship? No. You don't think so? <laughs> oh, I don't. All right, so so not Steph and not KD. But they've Wait. lost KD for significant time. They've lost Steph for significant time. Yeah, no, I've still been able. They're to win still a good them. team, right? I don't think you're getting past Houston without either one of those two guys, right? Um, I still think they could get past Houston without Boogie Cousins, okay. although their margin for error is slimmer than it was with Boogie. Of course. Ever, I've heard everyone say that Boogie would have been this this antidote for Clint Capella to some degree uh, because it would get Clint Capella in foul trouble, and you're, you're presuming a whole lot there. What I do know is that Boogie was going to be in an impossible position guarding the pick and roll with James Harden and Chris Paul up high at the top of the key and Clint Capella. He, he, that's, that was what he struggled with the most this year was guarding pick and roll. What do you do with him when he's out there on an island? You can't really switch it because now you got either James Harden or, or, or whoever else is running the pick and roll with Boogie Cousins squarely in their sights and he, they're going to work. So I do know that he would struggle. The jury, I guess we'll never know whether or not offensively he was able to do things to Clint Capella that you would have hoped he could do from Golden State's perspective. Uh, but, but I do think in the playoffs, the more guys that you have, and I say this all the time, that you can give the ball to off script, no offense, play breaks down, can he get you a bucket or create a bucket for someone else, the better off you are, and they lose a guy who can definitely do that in Boogie Cousins. One of the things that actually – might help the Warriors. The fact that Boogie missed so much time with the Achilles come back early in the season, yeah. which allowed Kevon Looney to get a lot of minutes. And after he actually played double the amount of minutes over this course of this season, sure. and he was more efficient according to net efficiency on yeah. this team. So that's the one reason why I don't think it's going to be that big of a deal. Yeah, if if, if you had to pick an injury for one of your from one of your All Stars, I, I, I'm assuming they would pick Boogie. You never right. have to do that. But yes, there's a sample size that's large enough to know that. You can win a lot of games, and Kevon Looney, although he plays differently, um, he, he's still effective in that lineup, and guys understand how to use him. I, I think this is just a really sad story for Boogie yeah. personally. You're coming off of that Achilles, and it's still not a hundred percent. I commented on thinking that he was limping, you know, for the first half of his return this season. It looked like his gait wasn't normal. I questioned the elasticity in that Achilles. I didn't know that he was, you know, back to 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 75% even athletically he was clearly playing but he wasn't able to do a lot of the things that he could do before when you when you tear the quad now you know you're not only talking about that specific injury needing time to heal but now you can't do the work that's required to continue to rehab the Achilles that's probably only at 80%. So this is a major setback for him personally. Does it affect his ability to sign a max deal? Oh yeah. You do. Oh, 100. You don't think somebody's going to no. back up the truck from this? Is no. it, so what does he get? A shorter deal? Is it something where you have to prove it a little bit more? Like, I, I don't even know how this works. I, I probably, you know, that will be what he and his camp have to, to dig into, right? Right. Because now you've got two major injuries, back-to-back years. I don't know exactly how old Boogie is. Do you take a swing at something fractionally less than the – than the uh, 28. Than, you know, or do you do you roll the dice on yourself again like you did with Golden State? And, right. and you see what happened. Right. Right. So I, I don't, I don't have the answer to that. There'll be some teams out there that really need the, the Lakers or a team that they don't, they don't have the time to wait on Boogie. I don't know. Right. What Especially with LeBron getting older. You got to yeah. win now. Uh, and you want to pair him with a guy, probably LeBron. He's older and he's been injured. You don't want an oft injured, uh, a star. You want someone who can carry the mail for LeBron. So 
But there'll be people out there that are desperate for a name that'll pay him, but it's not going to be max money. And, you know, I, I just feel I really yeah, it feel sucks. Really bad for Boogie. Yeah. It really sucks because, I mean, life, especially in sports, is a lot about timing, mm. becoming a free agent at the right time, being healthy at the right time. Like, it's a lot about what it's about. So, obviously, you hope he gets back and it doesn't impact his earning status. Um, you know, when you look down the road, you mentioned the Lakers is a possible landing spot for them. They're a complete mess right now. Having, uh, magic steps down, Luke Walton, you know, they, uh, agreed, whatever you want to call that, uh, to he moves on to the Sacramento. <laughs> and they game. agree with Luke too. They agree. Yeah. yeah, Luke, yeah they're agreeing a with a lot of understanding people. Understanding there. Um, so Rob Polinka is reportedly running the coaching search. Would you trust him in this spot if you're Genie Bus from everything that's transpired, or is that your only choice? Is what capacity is Rob Polinka in? He's the president. No, he's the he's the general he's the manager. GM, yeah, but they've not hired a new president. Correct. They haven't repl- hired a replacement for Magic Johnson. Which uh, you know what? Watching what little Magic did, do you really need that position? You know, like, you um, could, like well, you could, if you're like, if you're gonna have it, I would want you to have it in place so that him and Rob could be, on, be the on the same page. page. Yes, right. Yes, absolutely. If, if you're not gonna have it. And you're saying that you trust Rob to do the job, then fine. Here's what I don't know. How much of what transpired with the Lakers in terms of the deals they signed, the, uh, the, the, the trades that they kind of failed at, how much of that was Rob and how much of it was, was, was Magic? Right. Because Magic could have been really bad at it and Rob was really good, but Magic was Rob's boss and we're all sitting here saying, man, if only Magic was out of the way, Rob could really do this job well. Yeah. I don't have the answer to that. But if you're going to hire a president, I would say let them be on the same page so they both have their guy. Man, I, I'm i getting kind of worried about LeBron's legacy and oh. how all this could be impacted. Uh, the coaching search right now, the potential coaching hires, Ty Lue we talked about yesterday, Monty Williams, Juwan Howard. I think I texted you one day. I uh-huh. his name is a potential hire there. So Mark Stein reported in his New York Times newsletter that Monty Williams has a, quote, stronger-than-expected chance at the job because – some in the Lakers organization may fear hiring Ty Lue would be giving LeBron too much control. When you sign LeBron, you had to be aware that he was a guy that's going to want control. Why are you going to try to mess with that by hiring somebody that's not going to give him control? I just, it has me, all this stuff that's un, uh, it's unfolding before our very eyes has me wondering, not does LeBron win another championship, not does he get to another finals, it's, does this thing get ugly for LeBron at the end of his career and become a real knock on him? Right. I um, I was worrying about that when I saw the reluctancy of people last year to want to sign when LeBron signed. So it started then. Um, you couple that with the fact that the Lakers, um, and I've talked to people in circles that say the Lakers haven't changed the way they do business in a long time. They, right. They have not uh progress with the times uh they don't develop their talent in in the front offices they don't groom them um and and let them spread their wings and become executives and so they are behind the times to some degree so you you now have an aging star that you brought in there you didn't fully understand the scope of what that entailed cuz yes when you bring lebron you sign up for all lebron things you you do i know you're a brand in and of yourself as, as the lakers but when you sign up for lebron there's only one real recipe that's ever worked with lebron you got to get the type of players that he needs in there to be successful with. You have to be able to release a little bit of the control uh, and allow him to at least feel like he's got some of it. Uh, and if you weren't willing to do all of that as a Lakers brand, you, you shouldn't have signed on for the for the LeBron um, experiment. Uh, and so all of that together, I am worried for LeBron's legacy. I do believe that there's only one candidate for the job, two maybe, right? One would be Ty Lue. Mm-hmm. 
and they're done that. And you, whether you're going to be the LeBron, you're going to be the, the the Cleveland Cavs of the West. Okay, fine. Right. We'll, we'll take our chances with that. It was pretty good in Cleveland. Um, but you've got to have someone in there that has worked with him before. It cannot be a chemistry experiment right. for half of a season, and then you got to pick between LeBron and a coach midway through next year. That cannot happen under no circumstances. Um, so unless you're willing to part with LeBron, then it's either Ty Lue or Jawan Howard. Jawan Howard played with LeBron, I believe. He coached LeBron. And so there's a relationship there. Maybe there's a mutual respect level. Do not bring in any other name that you're rolling the dice on just because you don't want to relinquish control to LeBron. What's he under contract for? Another two years after that? Mm-hmm. I mean, you, you've been one of the, you, you, what is, so you're taking a run at a championship. You got two more years where LeBron's got a little bit of control and then you can keep him moving. You know, there's yeah. no, no trade clause in LeBron's contract. You can trade LeBron if you want. So don't, you know, it's not like you're stuck with LeBron. If you really don't want him to have control and it gets out of hand, just go ahead and move him. Juwan Howard, the connection there with LeBron, obviously you just mentioned, but also was at Michigan with the Fab Five and Rob Palenka was there. So they have a previous relationship too. So that one's starting to make like it might be a pretty good, like that might be the choice that comes uh, to fruition. And I don't mean, look, Monty is a good coach. Yeah. I don't, but you just don't know if that's going to work. Exactly. You, I mean, I, I, I don't know. There's a lot of coaches you could put with LeBron and be like, uh oh, I don't know if you even do that. All right, welcome back to Canel and Bell, hanging out with Rajah Bell. we got to bring in our boy Pete Blackburn, newest full-time member of CBS Sports Interactive right here on Boom. Sports HQ. I hope you're not spending all that money, man, because you're like, we're, Rajah and I are trying to get raises, and now you just took, like, we have a salary cap around here, kind of. You took all that money. Like, it's kind of hard to live <laughs> around here now that you're getting paid. Living rent-free in my mom's basement, baby. Let's go. <laughs> chips. There hungry. you go. I love it. Make sure you follow Pete on Twitter, at Pete Blackburn. Uh, he's going to have uh, – Pete, I almost banned you from the show. I've been known to do it. If we get bad advice, I'm going to ban you from the show. You told us – uh, to be fair, Razan out know zero about hockey. Like, can hardly name many players that are out there. So we went straight to the book, straight to the – put all put up both of our mortgages on the Tampa Bay Lightning. You said it was a lock. They were done. Vegas had them like at a two to one favorite. They not only get beat, they get swept after having a 3-0 lead in game one. How embarrassing is this and how does this happen? It's insane. Honestly, like I can't even wrap my head around it. It is that big of an upset. It's basically like the equivalent of the Warriors getting beat by, you know, like the Sacramento Kings, a, te- a team that hasn't gotten any playoff success over the past 10 years. Uh, and, and getting beat pretty handily and swept in four games. It's, it's absolutely stunning. Uh, you know, Tampa looked like a mentally soft team, one of the softest teams that I've, I've, I've seen in my life. They just completely crumbled after, after giving up that, uh, that game one choke and they never recovered. They never held a lead for the rest of the series. It was an absolute disaster. All right, Pete, then with the lightning eliminated, let's give you another shot at it. Who's the favorite to, to win it now? At the outset, I said it would be the Lightning and the Vegas Golden Knights in the final, and I'm going to stick with Vegas because they've looked super strong through the first round. They've, you know, they're going up against a San Jose team that was really good during the regular season, and they've just completely pumped them uh, over the past couple of games. So I'm going to stick with Vegas. I think they've got a better team than last year, and last year they made it to the Cup final. So the East is wide open now, though. There's a lot of teams that could make it to the in the East. All right. So if the Tampa Bay gets swept by Columbus. Let's say Columbus is the biggest surprise team so far with what they've done. Who's the other surprise team that's emerged in this playoff so far? Well, I'd say the other team that just got uh, just got done with a sweep, that would be the, the New York Islanders. I think 
they did a really great job against Sidney Crosby and the Penguins. You know, they didn't look very good. Uh, the Penguins didn't look very good defensively. But the Islanders were a full team, a complete team, and they were able to take advantage of all the opportunities that were given to them. Barry Trotz has done a really great job with that team uh, this year after winning the Stanley Cup last year with the, with the Capitals. He turned them in from the worst defensive team in hockey to the best defensive team in hockey, and they showed that in round one, shutting down Sidney Crosby. He had only a point in that series. Yeah, that was pretty bad right there. It'll be fun to watch uh, the Islanders get to play in this spot, which they haven't been able to do in some time. All right. Alex Ovechkin, one of the best players. I do know that. That's one of those names I know. Yes. Watching Ovi out there. Had a pretty nasty fight with the Carolina Hurricanes forward. I'll let you say his name, Pete. Andre. Svechnikov. Uh, Svechnikov, who's only 19. He's a younger player. Can you break down this fight for us? Because it was nasty. The dude's still in concussion protocol, too, by the way. It was, and it was Ovi's first fight in, like, uh, almost, I think 2010. Mm. Since 2010. So that's not a guy... That, that gets ticked off enough to drop gloves. And, and Strechnikov seemed to want it. So I don't have a problem with that. And, and I don't have a problem with any of it. I think that, you know, I saw a lot of people saying that, that, uh, you know, Ovi's a real tough guy, quote unquote, for going after a 19 year old. Well, look at the tape. The kid wanted it and he clearly just lost. And obviously it's a bad, ugly result. Uh, his head smashed off the ice, an obvious concussion. He's out of the lineup, which is a bummer because he's a 19-year-old. He's a stud. He's been the Carolina Hurricanes' best player in this series. But, I mean, an absolute beatdown from Ovechkin. That's not a guy you want to mess with. It was, and you could kind of see Shvetsnikov, like kind of, And Ovi was like, are you sure? And they kind of like agreed, like, yeah, and they were all right. like, all right, if you want some of this, you can go there. I did see, I think it was Carolina's head coach, thought it was cheap of Ovi to do this and Ovi's been taking some heat because he was only 19 and because he's so new to it. Do you agree with some of that criticism or do you think it was totally fair? No, man, he wanted it. it yeah. it's, it's, <laughs> if, if you ask a guy to go and you get your butt handed to you like that, that's your own fault, man. You're 19 years old going after Alex Ovechkin. It's just a case of, you know, if you want the bull, then you got to deal with it. If you get the horns, you get the horns. So, yep. uh, Poor, poor result for Shvechnikov. Now I'm butchering it, <laughs> but uh, poor result. Uh, but he's got to deal with the consequences of going after Ovi. All right, good stuff. Hey, you can screw up any names you want. Now you got the new contract. You don't have to worry about it. <laughs> Appreciate it. All right, it. Pete. Thanks for joining us, man. We'll get you back on next week to uh, continue through the playoffs, man. Appreciate it. For sure. Uh, it was interesting because that fight it got a little bit of play. If that happens in the NFL. Oh. They're talking or the CTE NBA. or the right. NBA. They're oh talking CTE. Guys have to be suspended. Look at the outcome. And I did see a couple articles because I Googled the Ovechkin fight. And I did see some people saying, you know, why does hockey allow fighting? And it become, it's becoming more in the conversation. I just think it's so ingrained in the sport and the philosophy. And usually it's kind of like UFC. Like UFC gets away with it. Nobody ever says anything. You see some of the most devastating knockouts you've ever seen, and they don't catch a lot of heat about it. They're like, oh, they're well, they're protected. They usually get them. Hockey has their formula. Let them go. If they hit the ground, they separate them. This right. was just one of those perfect connections. Dude hits, and it hits, and it's nasty, and it's awful, and you never want to see that happen to anybody, but it's kind of a rare circumstance that's just part of the sport. Well, yeah, the injury itself, um, you know, I, 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 I think, you know, your head hits the ice and that's an unforeseen type of circumstance yeah. when that happens. So it's unfortunate. But generally speaking, the celebration of fighting in one sport in, in the same culture, like we're all in the same country. You know, if you were talking about another country or something like that, it'd be different. But man, if you fight in the NBA, you might lose a whole season. Right. If you fight bad Especially enough, if you, you fight bad enough, you're going like to miss that. seven, eight. If you're not going to do it out like that, you're going to miss. 
15 games. Right. Um, but it's celebrated, and it's so, you know, it's such a bad look from football players and, and basketball players. And, you know, it's, it's an interesting conversation, bigger than the one that we're going to have right. on this show. Right. But it's really interesting. that it, it, I mean, this is a celebrated thing. Their sport can't exist without it. Right. Right? That's why a lot of people go to games. That's why crazy. you want to watch TV and see if anybody uh, throws, the, throws off the gloves. Uh, all right, college basketball. UCLA, I have no idea what they're doing. Uh, they go after John Calipari, try to hire him away from Kentucky for less vote. money. Right. Uh, they actually ended up with Mick Cronin, who I think for them might be a good hire. It's not their first choice. One of their choices before Mick Cronin was Rick Barnes, head coach of the University of Tennessee. So reporters are saying, hey, was it close? Was there a deal? Uh, how close were you? And Rick Barnes was very candid, very open, and very honest in his comments. He said, quote, I think I would have been the coach at UCLA, he told reporters in Knoxville. I've said that to people before. I really felt at the time that's what would happen. So as part of his return, he got a new deal, but he said one of the hiccups that was uh, potentially why he didn't go to UCLA was there was a buyout. Was it 4 or $5 million, Coca, uh, that they five wanted million, $5, million. $5 million that UCLA says – we're not going to pay that. So they're assuming that Rick Barnes is going to pay his own buyout and then get a new deal. And he's like, well, no, I'm not going to do that. Because, you know, a lot of other schools say, sure, we'll pick the buyout. We're going to get a new coach. We'll pay the buyout. You come join us. I have no idea. Like, you talk about playing or behind the times. Like, they just don't understand how things work now. Yeah. I think it's an arrogance. I really think well, it's an arrogance. That's where I was going with UCLA. it. Right. I think, I think it was more a, an arrogance than not understanding um, the way things are done. I, I think that they thought Rick Barnes – would be honored to take the job at UCLA. Yeah. Therefore, he'd pay his own buyout. Right. It's a lot of cash. You were wrong. (laughs) And it's ridiculous to think, no, I mean, it's just, I don't even, I touched on this when we talked about it the first time when they offered Calipari, I I, I don't know, was it less money than he makes? They offered him 80 a year and he's already making (laughs) 9.2. I mean, I don't even know what to say to that with UCLA. Good luck. Um, I actually hope Mick Cronin does a really good job there, but this is a laughable thing that you think this man was going to come to your school and pay five million dollars worth of buyout to his old school to come to UCLA. But he's got a role. He's got a role in Tennessee right now. Are you surprised? Because I was a little bit surprised at his honesty. Because what are you thinking if you're a player right. in Tennessee now? If you're a recruit that was at Tennessee now, he did sign up. He did get a new deal. Like he's getting new money from Tennessee. But I'm a little bit bothered. Like I'm sitting there thinking this guy was about to bounce on us. Like that's I think the only thing because I don't operative, think players look at the uh, look at the money. They don't look at the buyout. They're just saying, man, he was going to leave us. Yeah, there could be some of that. I think the the operative words here for me is I think. Like he didn't say I was definitely going. He says I think I would have. Right. So that leads you to believe that there was still some uncertainty there. And he and then in the second sentence he says I, I felt at the time right that it was going to. So you're not saying unequivocally that you were gone. You were just saying in your in your thought process, in your deliberation between staying and going, that you may have been leaning. So that's your out if you're him. Do you know what I mean? Yes. But, but I, yes, I hear you. But you're, as know, a recruit or as a player, on your, you're not you're not sifting through all of that to get to the bottom well, of see, it. See, what I think is going to happen is going to the, the other teams in the SEC are going to use this against them in recruiting left and right because they're going to take any shot they can. And say, man, you're going to go there. The guy was about to leave. Like he doesn't even care well, about Tennessee. The rebuttal. The, the rebuttal would be then as we just inked the deal. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> so he's going to be there for a minute. Yeah, exactly. But he did have a, a deal last year. They're supposed to give him three uh, three point two five million. He's going to get in excess of four yeah, million next season and approach six, six. million annually by the end of the contract sec deep pockets deep pockets yes they got them and it must be nice good problem to have 
All right, welcome back to Canel and Bell. Uh, doing a little bit of baseball before we get our true showdown. We're pumped up about that. We'll finish off the show with that. But there was an injury in baseball to Blake Snell, who had just returned from Toronto, mm-hmm. chilling in his house, apparently. Said he'd been staring down at a decorative stand near his shower for some time. Oh, Apparently he'd been down for contemplating some time. it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just yeah. contemplating this move. Mm-hmm. And this time he decided to move it, but not before the granite base fell on his right foot. The brunt of the impact came down on Snell's fourth toe, and he later found out it was broken. On Tuesday, it stood out amongst his other toes with a bright red hue. Uh, the Rays have the best record in baseball, 13 and 4. Snell is the reigning Cy Young winner. He's only expected to miss one start. I think it could affect him though on his plant foot coming down, just be one of those things. Maybe he comes back, but I don't know if it's going to, you know, mentally what it does, pain issue there. All right. Do you believe him? That boy got angry and kicked something, bro. It does sound like it's a good one. I didn't think of that one. Angry and kick something. What? What do you mean? What do you, I thought what it could have been. There's a decorative. First of all, <laughs> who has furniture and in, stuff in, in their, their bathroom? bathroom. Yeah. Secondly, you know what you got to do to only hit your fourth damn toe? <laughs> yes. It's seriously. That is, yeah, it when is. you drop something from here straight down, it's hitting your fourth toe. This was the corner. <laughs> Come on, man. Awesome. If I got to start doing all of that, I'm saying he kicked something and he broke his foot. So you don't think, cause the, my instant thing, whenever I hear an athlete, like, has an injury that's kind of wacky, I'm like, they must have been drinking, partying, something stupid. Or something like that. But it could have been that and he was angry because he was drinking. I don't know if it was that. I don't know Blake Snell. Uh, Blake Snell. I will say this in his- Who moves furniture in a towel too? Yeah. You know, like right out the shower, you're in a towel and you're- But, I- So let me- Let me, as, as a, as a grown man. And maybe you do. I, I'm just, do you ever look around your house and say, let me move some furniture? Don't get me started. Do you? Are you? Do you? Like, this do you get the urge to our... move some furniture? Are you a furniture shuffler? No. This is one of the biggest hiccups in my marriage oh. <laughs> because my wife loves to get the urge to move around furniture. furniture. I'm good. When we move in, that is good. The couch works. The chairs work. The pillows work. Boom. Not for her, though. Oh. And it's like, I'd say there's a six-month window where she gets bored, and it's like, maybe we'll try something new. I'm like, nope, no. What nope, was wrong with nope. this way? So then you got to re- learn every like pattern you got to like where you're going to sit to watch television right. like you got to have a good spot there right and she's constantly moving everything on me it drives me insane i don't know a lot of dudes. i'd be interested to know like you guys do the twitter thing yeah. how many dudes and it pertains to this right how many dudes get the urge to move furniture i walk by stuff every day i'm like fine it's fine we'll never do. never never we'll put a poll out there uh at canel and bell how many dudes get the urge to move, and to they, move furniture. it does have to delineate because i do think it might be a male female thing you know there might be a just no, that, a different mind sure. different brains think different ways my mom is a furniture shuffler <laughs> my mom she loves is. to shuffle. You go to her house and the whole living room's rearranged. Right. I mean, it might just be as simple as taking the couch from there and over there, but she loves to do it. Yeah. My it's, dad does not. Right. My, my dad doesn't either. Right. I think my, maybe it's just personalities. I don't know what it is. I will say this for Blake Snell. We've all had freak accidents that have occurred. Sure. I had one occur in a bath. When I was in Connecticut, I used to, I used to like to read in a bathtub. We had the ones with jets, right? Yeah, that's great. Relaxing. So I was actually getting in, uh-huh. and I guess there was a little bit of soap from the last time. It was just a little bit slippery. Oh, yeah. So I slipped. It was, if there was a video, it was one of the most unathletic things I've ever done. So I had a book in one hand, mm-hmm. and I was kind of bracing myself, but I slipped. And so because I had the book, I fell like face forward right on the tub and like split my eye open. Oh, I looked man. like a fight, like yeah. I had been in a fight. And it was just, it was one of the most unathletic things I've ever done. And it was like, I kind of was like woozy. <laughs> I gave myself a concussion. Out. And it like affects, so I, I give him a sliver yeah, yeah, of, yeah, yeah. okay, maybe that happened. Because freak accidents happen all the time. But it'll be interesting to see what happens, uh, 
with the Rays now and see how it impacts them because mm-hmm. they're crushing it right now in the AL East. All right, NBA playoffs continue. We gave out two winners yesterday. You had Toronto, I had Portland uh, with the spreads. Jazz are facing the Rockets. Rockets are laying six and a half. Houston, surprisingly, has been playing a lot better defensively, something that's been their Achilles here for some time. They're the second-best defense in the NBA since the All-Star break. Yep. O- second only to Utah. Yep. Uh, who do you like in this game? Rockets uh, laying, laying six, six and, and a half. Um, I'm going to take the Rockets. All right, you're going to take the Rockets. They allowed just 90 points to the Jazz in game one. I am going to take the under. Okay. In that game because of Houston's defense. Mm-hmm. I'm going to take the under in that game, which I got to get the total. I'll find it, uh, here, uh, in just a second while you maybe break down the other. Yeah. Um, let's do the Pacers Celtics. Um, what? Well, 214. Sorry. 214. 214. Is the total. I'm going to take the under 214. Really? Yeah. I don't, I don't know about See, that. See, everybody's right. thinking okay. over. Everybody's on the over. I'm yeah, going under. I like to go up. Yeah. I like brain. that you actually just had that little reaction. I hear you. That, it reinforces my belief. <laughs> Pacers right. C seven and a half. Yep. Um, you know, the thing about the Pacers is I don't really know what their high end is. They are a tough, scrappy, fight you for, for everything bunch. But when the Celtics kick it into the second gear, like they did in the second half of that game, coming out of the second half, I was like, they're just going to turn it on. And then they'll run away from a team like the Pacers. The Pacers miss Oladipo in that space um, really badly. And so seven and a half, I don't bet a lot. You know that. That's a pretty big number, huh? Yeah, I would I would probably say avoid that game. Kind okay. of what you're thinking. I think Boston's been flying under the radar. They've been kind of boring, which I think is good. Again, sure. I think flying under the radar is the best thing the Celtics can do. They did it for the most of the last latter portion of the season. Yeah, just plug because away. Because when they were on the radar, it wasn't good. Like right. we were talking about dissension. Guys are complaining. It's not fun anymore. Just let them fly under the let them fly under the radar. So I I would technically avoid that game. Sounds like you don't love anything. In I that don't game love it. Either. What's the over What's the over under on that one? Uh, two oh four. Is that what we said Coca? 204 is the total. Again, I like, I'd probably yeah, lean tough. over on that one, but I just, I don't think it's a good, that's tough. Yeah, I'll stay away from that. Uh, I got the Celtics to win. I don't know if they cover that. All right. So these ones are the tough ones too. In a game like, uh, Detroit versus Milwaukee, the Bucks are laying 15, which is an enormous number. I feel like it's begging you to take Detroit. I would take Milwaukee. I know you're, <laughs> right? you're gonna do it. Right? So is that what's opposite? No, I'm saying take Detroit. <laughs> you're saying it's too many points. A lot of points, yeah. All right. See, I think, I think that's what Vegas is begging you to do. Yeah. Again, I think my lock is the first game. I'm taking the under in the Rockets uh, in that game. This one, they I don't know. smoked them though, huh? Yeah. yeah. Uh, Blake Griffin. No Blake playing. Griffin. No, yeah. Take, yeah, I'm with you. Take the Bucks. No Blake. Yeah, but I, I don't. I don't love it. Like if there was a confidence scale, I don't love it. Blake Griffin. What do they have other than Blake Griffin? I mean, no, <laughs> right. dis- no disrespect to any of the accomplished pros that are on that team, but you give me a name that you're gonna you're gonna expect to pop off the screen tonight and get buckets for them. I can't give you one. So. All right. Take let's, the points. Let's get to the most important part of the week. Take the, the shoe showdown. Oh, you, let's do it. You won last week. Did I? You go ahead. Yeah, because you're 11. Uh, what were they called? The nickname? The con- uh, the 11? Mag, the, the, uh, yeah, I don't know. Magmas. Yeah. Nope, nope, nope. You had the magmas. All right, let's get yours out here. Let's get yours out here. But we don't have much time. I got but the, I don't think it's going to be close. The Jordan 4 breads. Yeah. Like these are the OG breads, I guess they call them now. I don't know. They're just Jordans to me. All right. But, well, get your shoe out of my shot. I can't. You trying to, there, all right, there we go. You're trying to block mine? Because <laughs> I got the Air Jordan 1 off-white. The UNCs, these are legit. Those right aren't here. even real Jordans. That I know. That's what makes them even cooler. That Nike sign these is collectible. It's attached by a single stitch. <laughs> Show that, please. I know, right? See, but that's kind of dope. That's what makes them like. My daughter kept asking me, why does it say labeled shoelaces on the shoelaces? See, it's the off-white. You know what I'm not into? I'm not into shoes trying to do too much. Like, I don't oh, like when they start re-releasing. <laughs> 
These are perfect. These aren't too much. These are just right. Those are pretty sweet. This one may be closer than I think.